you can turn to the book of Daniel if you're going to stay with us here. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading this morning in verse number 3. Daniel 9 and verse 3. Somebody had recently commented to me that we've been in the book of Daniel for quite some time, for several months. <clears throat> to be honest, I'm not keeping track of the time and, and how long it's taking us to cover the book. There's just a lot of, a lot of stuff in the book. And um, Daniel 9, I've told you last time, we're, we're going to take our time in this chapter. Um, I, I don't mean to elongate it more than necessary. <clears throat> and today we might cover a decent amount of verses, but there's a couple things just topically, right? We're going to start talking about prayer. And guys, this is one of the premier places in the Bible to learn about prayer. So don't, don't want to rush that, right? We want to take our time and get what we can out of that subject. So Daniel 9 and verse 3 Remember that <clears throat> Daniel has been studying his Bible. He's understood by books. He's been reading the prophet Jeremiah. The 70 years of captivity have come to a close. And now Daniel is praying based on that. Verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Right. The sackcloth and ashes was a very typical Jewish gesture. What, what the Jew was trying to do here was, was show how he felt on the inside with his outside appearance. So the, the outward would match the inward. He felt dirty. He felt broken. He, he felt that, as if he had been destroyed. Ashes, right? Ruined. And that's how he feels on the inside. He's seeking the Lord, it says, with fasting. Sometimes your heart can be so overwhelmed by whatever your situation is that food just doesn't sound appealing at all. And this is one thing that we do to get closer to God, and it's something you can do to emphasize your prayers, is you put down the flesh. You ignore those natural things that the flesh would normally take, and you're just so caught up in what's happening spiritually that food is, is not of interest to you. And sometimes, guys, in order to break through that barrier, that, that flesh needs to be crucified. And fasting is a great way to do it. Amen. Because I, I, you, you, you should support me with an amen here. We love food. Amen. We love food. So, and guys, that's the world around. That's not just you. That's everybody. And, and there's nothing wrong with the fact that you like food. But when you say no to that, saying, God, I'm, I'm putting aside one of the most basic and necessary things because I want you so badly. I will do whatever it takes to get closer to you and to get an answer from you. But I want you to notice, particularly at the beginning here, he says, I set my face. I set my face. Now, you guys say this a little bit differently than we do in America. Nevertheless, it comes across pretty much the same. Um, ready, steady, go. I had never heard that until I got to this side of the world. In America, we say, get ready, get set go. All right? So it's, you see how it's the same. It's get ready, steady. You're just, you're getting set. You're steadying yourself so that you can go. But get ready, get set, go. Now, the reason I point that out is verse three, I set my face. Daniel has, he's understood by books. He knows where he's at on God's timeline. God's about to do something huge. He's about to bring the nation of Israel back to their homeland. And Daniel says, okay, I, I'm committing myself to a serious time of prayer. 
And there should be some point in your life where you do this as well. Now, listen, guys, should we pray every day? Absolutely. Pray without ceasing, right? One of the shorter verses in the Bible. Pray without ceasing. Men ought always to pray, Jesus said, and not to faint. The Bible says continuing instant in prayer. Paul said, I will that men therefore uh, pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Prayer should be an ongoing part of our lives. But then there are certain times when the circumstances of your life, that's the outward stuff, and what God is doing in your heart, what you've understood by books from the Bible, when these things meet and you say, God, I see what's happening, I feel what's happening, I understand what's happening, this is what we call watch and pray. You ever wondered about that verse where Jesus said, watch and pray? The reason we have to watch and the reason that's important to prayer is because we, can, we recognize what's going on and how serious the moment is. So yes, we should be praying all the time, but there are certain times where you set your face, you push aside everything else in your schedule just so that you can pray a while and, and devote yourself to it for that season, however that long needs to be. I remember reading stories and hearing stories. I have sat with a couple of the preachers that have done this. And you talk about having the glow of God on them. They tell these stories about taking a jug of water and walking out into the woods. And they'll just go sit out there for a week or two. And they just fast and pray and pray and fast and talk to God. Man, they come back and it's like Moses having that glow on him. And they've set their face. Because each time, each time I've heard that story, there was something big going on in that pastor's church or in that preacher's life. And they just had to get a hold of God. And they were not coming back from that wilderness until they had met with the Lord. And Daniel is doing that. I've set my face unto the Lord God, watch it, to seek by prayer and supplication. Prayer is to ask. Supplication takes that a step further. To supplicate means to beg humbly. All right? So this is, prayer is just, please do this. Supplication is, oh, please, God, I beg you. I beg you. Right, it's going a step further. And then he says in verse 4, I, And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. Right, those of you that have done discipleship, and I think many of you here this morning, you, you have done this part of discipleship. We have a lesson on prayer. And we give you the four important elements of prayer. Right? There's worship, which is adoration. It's recognizing who God is and how great He is. And then there's confession. That's you recognizing who you are. And then there's thanksgiving, and then there's requests. Now, you're going to see all of those in this passage, but we can see right here, I made my confession. So what Daniel, like, if we can put at the top of the list, what he's primarily doing is admitting to God that they deserve the punishment they've just gotten. The 70 years of captivity, the destruction of their homeland, thousands of people died. It was hor I mean, horrible what happened to his people. And Daniel says, we deserved it. That's a really good place to start in prayer. To have that attitude as you shut the door to your prayer closet to say, God, all this bad stuff going on in my life, my fault. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, God, I'm not here to complain or whine about it. Right off the bat, God, let me just say, you're a great God. And I deserve everything that you're allowing to happen in my life. He says, I made my confession and said, now, now notice where his confession starts. I, I, I love the mixture here. Made my confession and said, O Lord, the great 
and dreadful God. Do you hear the worship in there? In, in the discipleship book, there's a reason I've laid it out in the order that I did. It starts with worship. The second thing is confession. Because when you spend proper time worshiping the Lord, when you spend that necessary time recognizing how great He is, the light that God is shining your way, and you get a glimpse of that, that light will expose the darkness in you. So you know what it's going to naturally lead to? God, you're great, you're dreadful, you're awesome, you're beyond belief. You're so great, I can't comprehend it. I'm so different than you. I'm nothing like you. And then it'll hit you. That same great and dreadful God loves me and wants to have mercy on me. You know what that'll kick into? Thank you, God. You see how that works? Worship, confession, thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, the request that you had, I'm not saying don't make the request, but they're not at the top of the list anymore. He says, O Lord, the great and dreadful God. We could spend the rest of this Bible study talking about the things that are great about our Lord. Yes? And, and, And I'm hesitant to do that because there's so many other things to talk about in the passage. But let me just point this out. In the book of Jeremiah, which Daniel was just studying, and I love this part in Jeremiah. There's a verse where it says, God, he calls God the great. Capital G, the great. What a great way to introduce him. You know, men are always trying to do that. You know, Constantine the Great, Peter the Great. They're always trying to stick the great, Antiochus the Great. They're, they're never going to measure up to the great. The great. He says, O oh Lord, the great and dreadful God. Now that might sound slightly strange to you. Why would you call call God dreadful? Because he's scary. (laughs) He's he's big God. He's a holy God. He doesn't tolerate sin. God is light, right? Everybody knows this verse, God is love, right? We know this verse. You know where that's at in the Bible? Somebody tell me. 1 John chapter 4, that's right, verse 8. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love. You know, before you ever get to God is love, 1 John chapter 1 says God is light. God is light. You'll never appreciate his love properly until you first recognize how holy he is, how bright that light is. And there's no spot of darkness in him. He's dreadful. He creates a sense of of reverential fear, right? Not, Not an unholy, senseless fear. Many people get a little confused with the fear of God we're not, when we talk about fearing God, it's not a fear out of ignorance that I don't know what this God's going to do to me. Maybe he's going to do something bad to me for no reason. Right? That, that's, an, that's an unholy, senseless fear. We know God has revealed this is who I am, this is what I love, this is what I hate. And if I step over that line out of light into darkness, then I deserve to be punished. That's why we fear the Lord. Because we know exactly who we're dealing with. Because he's told us. He has revealed himself to us. Does that make sense? We're, we're, we're not afraid out of, a, out, of a, out of an ignorant fear. But out of a revealed fear. It was interesting when I looked up this word dreadful. The first time it's used in the Bible. Now if you look at the Hebrew word behind it. It's translated here dreadful. It's like that in many other places. The first time you find it in the Bible. Is in Genesis chapter 3 verse 10. When Adam... Here's the voice of the Lord walking in the garden just after Adam has sinned and sowed the fig leaves, right? And the Bible says that Adam hid himself. 
And when God said, what are you doing? I hid myself. It says, I was afraid because I was naked. He was ashamed of himself. And that phrase, I was afraid, that's dreadful. This is the same word. This is the first time that it's used in the Bible. I was afraid. Do you see where it comes into Daniel's situation? Daniel is confessing, not his own personal sins necessarily, because Daniel really uh, was an exception to the rule back then. He's confessing on the behalf of the nation, just how wicked and how, how poorly, how, how down and low down their morals had dropped. And now there's an aspect, because they're so far away from God, God, you're so dreadful. We're, I'm afraid. Because all I got is these fig leaves to protect me. That, that type of thought. The great and dreadful God. Keep going in verse 4. Keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. In the Old Testament, that was the promise. All throughout the law, God said, if you keep the, these commandments, my precepts, judgments, then blessing, blessing, blessing. Just for the sake of time, I'll just tell you. But in Deuteronomy 28, you can go through it yourself and look at There's a separation in the chapter, verses 1 to 14. If you obey, blessed in the field, blessed in the home, blessed in the country, and blessed, 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 blessed. If you disobey, now this is verse 15 to something like 60, I mean the the rest of the chapter. If you disobey, cursed, 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 cursed. Daniel is acknowledging the biblical version of God. This will completely renovate your prayer life. Open your Bible. Get to know the God of the Bible, and then you can have a proper conversation with Him. I believe many people struggle in prayer because there's no Bible involved. Before Daniel ever got down to pray, before he set his face to pray, he had Bible study. Did he not? Verse 2 comes before verse 3. He understood by books what God was about to do. He understood from the law what kind of God he was speaking to. His God is a God that honors His word. God is not a man that He should lie. Neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Hath He spoken, shall He not do it? Hath He said, shall He not make it good? God will make good on His promises. He cannot deny Himself. He cannot contradict His own nature. So God has said, I will bless those that are obedient and that keep My commandments. But verse 5, we have sinned and have committed iniquity. You see what Daniel is recognizing? God, we have no place in that blessing column, right? Those verses that say, bless, 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 we're not in that. You're the kind of God that honors and rewards obedience. But what we haven't been, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. If I can just put that in a nutshell, God, we have not been living according to the Bible. Anytime your life departs from the Scripture, you fall into verse 5. Sin, iniquity, wickedness, rebellion. That's where you're at. Anytime you do it your way instead of God's way. Uh, Folks, please understand this is part of good praying. A lot of people think, well, if I'm in verse 5, if I'm that far away from what God wants me to be, I have no business praying. Not if you humble yourself. If you'll humble yourself and walk into the prayer closet with this attitude and say, God, 
Now that I've opened my Bible and seen exactly where I'm at with you, I am so far off the mark. You know God will welcome that humility? God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, to the lowly. Jesus gave us a parable. Two men went to the temple to pray. You remember this, right? The Pharisee stood up and the Bible says he prayed thus with himself. I thank God that I'm not as other men. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And on and on he went bragging about himself. Thank God I'm not like this publican over here. This wicked, sinful, lying, scheming publican. And publicans were lowlifes. This is what they were known for. But the Bible says he prayed thus with himself. He was only impressing himself. God wasn't impressed with that prayer. You know what that publican did? That wicked, low-down man? That, that publican, he thumped upon his breast and he said, he couldn't even lift up his eyes, Devin. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he could get out. Jesus said, which man went to his house justified? Which one do you think God said was right? That humble guy. So if, if you find yourself in verse 5, you say, how do, if I know I'm, how do I know if I'm in verse 5? Open your Bible. Just compare yourself with the Scripture. You, you'll quickly find out all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because the Bible will show you the glory of God, how great He is, how dreadful He is. The Bible doesn't hold anything back. It is a mirror. And mirrors don't lie. I wish they did. But they don't. Mirrors tell you just how ugly you are. Amen. Amen. Come on, come on. Some of you so No, they don't. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Your mirror tells you just what you're dealing with. Boy, I could get to preaching there. Let's keep going. Verse number six. There's more to it. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. You know what you got in verse 5? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You know what you have in verse 6? You have the rest of the Old Testament. <laughs> you have Joshua, Samuel, Chronicles, Kings, all of that. Is re- and, and remember, the books of the prophets are happening during 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 2 Kings, 1 2 Chronicles. The, the prophets are preaching in that time. So what Daniel is admitting, we did not pay attention to the, the written law of God that was revealed during the days of Moses and to all the preachers, all the prophets that came after that telling us you have departed from the law of God. Because every preacher said the same thing. You got to get back to the Bible. You got to get back to what God said. Hold your place here. Let me show you one instance. Get Isaiah chapter 5. Daniel says, we didn't obey the Bible, nor did we obey those preachers. Isaiah chapter 5 in verse 24. There was a lack of application. They heard what the prophets said. Sometimes they didn't believe it. Sometimes they didn't apply it. How about you? Come to church, you're here this morning. You're hearing the preaching, but is there going to be an application? And if not, 
you are in Daniel 9, verse 6. You heard what the prophet said, but, but we're not hearkening, we're not obeying it. So, what did James say? You're, you're deceiving yourselves because you're not doing what you're, you're hearers only. Yeah? Isaiah 5, verse 24. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness. Are you in verse 24? Did I give you the right verse? Did, did I say it right? Okay, forgive me. So their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust. What's he saying? Everything's just going to come to nothing. You know how many times I've heard South Africans say that? And, and to be honest, it's not just you guys. I hear it in America too when I preach there, in Malawi when I preach there. Man, I try this, I try this, and it just keeps blowing up. I, I try and it just turns out to, to nothing. Well, there might be a reason for that. Keep going. Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. They, they took his book lightly. They read what it said clearly. Well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, I don't think it means that. Well, I, you know, at least I do the other things. We're all allowed one little, one, no. You don't despise it. He said, that's the reason everything's going sideways in the nation. Come back to Daniel 9. <clears throat> Daniel 9 and verse 6. Not hearken unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers. So there's the book of Joshua all the way to Chronicles. And to the people of the land. Verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. Right? And now I just want to point these two things out so you can see some symmetry. Okay? Verse 7. Righteousness belongeth unto the Lord. Do you see that? All right? Verse 8. O Lord, to us belongeth what? confusion. God, you're right. God, we're wrong. See? What belongs to the Lord? <clears throat> Righteousness. He's right. What belongs to us? Con we're, we're confused. We're confused. I'll talk more about the confusion in a moment. But verse 7, O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. Oh, man, there's a lot to that. Yo, there's a lot to that. But unto us confusion of faces. God, you're right. What you gave us in the law, perfect. Can't improve upon that. It is exactly what it needed to be. And when you sent your prophets and they told us how we had messed up, they were right. Lord, everything you've done, every time you've reached out to me and tried to get my attention, you were right. But we have continually ignored it. So to us, confusion of faces. So this is the guy sitting there with the rubble all around him. Everything's falling apart going, that it's what's going on now the confusion can be one of two things you can understand it as a as a shame uh, being ashamed of something so it it, it is a um, an informed confusion if i might say it like that you know you messed up and and perhaps you found yourself there we, we've all found ourselves here what am i saying we've all done this where you've messed up and then you stand back and you go yutta why would i do that Right? If you're in South Africa, you say yutta. That's, I don't even know what that means. That, that probably doesn't even translate. What does it mean in English? It means yutta. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But you get, right? You, haven't you been there? Where, where you've done something and you go, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. 
What, what made me do that? How did I think that was okay? I mean, honestly, there are some parts of my life I look back and go, what did, how did I, how does that even, how did that even feel right for a moment? That never should have happened. And I'm confused, right? And, and that's where the shame would come into it. I, I'm so ashamed. I'm so embarrassed. I'm not that stupid. I thought, <laughs> right? I didn't think I was that stupid, and then I did that. So confusion of faces. But, but also, also, I, th- I think, and, and this is the, the brilliance of, of the, the translating work here. Confusion can be that where you know you did something wrong. Why, why would I do that? You, okay, that's shame. But then there's also people that make a mess, and they, they're in the mess, and God's punishing them, and they're standing there going, but, but why? But I don't get it, but why? Why, God? What did I do? And God says, you, seriously, you don't know? I've only been telling you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You got the word of God right there. You really don't know why I'm giving you a hiding? I'm telling you because you know, oh, you know, every time that pox law comes down, you can feel the finger of God going right onto that issue in your life that he's been telling you to change. And you know this needs to end. But you've been doing it that way for so long and you're so afraid of how big that change is going to be, you just refuse to change it. And then God just keeps hiding you and hiding you. But why, God, but why? He says, no, no, don't even try that. I've been telling you. And you're standing there going, but I don't get it. But no, you get it. You just don't want to get it. And you're confusing yourself. Amen. All right. Sunday school. We're teaching. Now I'm preaching. All right. Let's come back to teaching. Oh, Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. But unto us confusion of faces. Oh, boy. Here it goes again. There's more to it. As at this day, when the Babylonian captivity started 70 years before this, this time, there were people in the land of Judah. Some of them knew Yep, here, here we go. How did we, how did we sink this low? Some of them were in category one where they knew they'd messed up and, and they were thinking to themselves, how could we do this, right? So they were shamed. But, but then there were other people going, I don't get it. Why is God so angry? Both things were happening. And for 70 years, that confusion of face lasted. They're walking around in Babylon And if you read in Psalm 137, in the captivity, people would say to them, mocking them, sing us one of the songs of Zion, go and sing. And every time it was so embarrassing because they said, no, no, we can't sing the song of Zion during our captivity. That that would would just be embarrassing. What they're saying is you're the people of God. You had the light from heaven. You had the greatest revelation that God's ever given to mankind. And now look at you. You got decimated and sent off into captivity. Look at the hiding you're getting now. And it was an embarrassment to them for 70 years. And for 70 years, some of those people just would not admit that it was still their fault. They were still standing there going, I don't get it. What was that? What was so bad about what we did? It wasn't that bad. I mean, come on, it wasn't that bad. And and God said, no, no, it was really bad. 
what, what you did to me was, was massively bad. And the people, for, as at this day, they're still confused. All right, let's keep going. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off. So during the captivity, you see there, there's some of the Jews that are nearby Daniel. They're still in Babylon. There are some Jews, Israelites, that were already back in the land of Israel, actually. This is where we get the Samaritans and so forth. Kind of a long story there, but there were some there. But there were Jews that had been spread out all over the then-known world. You had them up in Asia, what we know as Turkey now. They were in what we now know as Iraq, Iran. There were some in Israel, North Africa. I mean, they were spread out as a result of, of this destruction, of this punishment. So when he says, they that are near, those nearby, his proximity, and those that are far off. Hold your place here. Get Acts chapter 2, and let me show you in the New Testament where we find this similar wording. Acts 2, verse 39. Acts 2, verse 39. So Peter's preaching to the house of Israel. And he's told them what to do to be saved and forgiven of sin and receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, he says, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Do you see that? Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So many people, when they get to this verse, they say the ones that are afar off, they say, well, that must mean Gentiles. But Peter's not preaching about Gentiles in Acts 2 at all. He is preaching, look at verse 36, therefore let all the house of who? Israel. He's preaching to Jews. Acts 2 is all about Jews. Gentiles are not, are not in the focus yet. So when, when Peter says, the promise is unto you, those are the people he's preaching to in Jerusalem on that day, and to your children, this promise is good for even uh, the next generation, and to all that are afar off, Jews that you can find anywhere in the world, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And within the next 10, 15 years, missionaries started going out. And when they went out, the first place they would often go, I mean, 99% of the time, when that missionary showed up in a new place, he went to a synagogue. Jew first, also to the Greek. Remember that? So, so they would go to the Jews that were afar off. And Peter is saying, God is reaching out to all Jews everywhere, even the ones that are far off. All right, so come back to Daniel 9 and verse 7, right in the middle. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespasses, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. I cannot do it justice, maybe, just reading the text the way that I have. I, it, forgive me, I, I don't want to put words, or maybe I can say I don't want to put a tone in Daniel's mouth, but when you go through this chapter and you see what he has to say, remember, he's, he's supplicating, he's begging God humbly. He's making confession. Oh Lord, he's brokenhearted. Try to hear that as you read it. To us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers. Because we've sinned against thee. It's one of those things where he is crying out 
for mercy. You ever done that? You ever done that? Have you ever been so sorry that you've offended God that brought you to tears and you cried out and said, oh God, I'm so sorry. You know why I'm confident that I can say this part of our prayer life is lacking? The The reason I'm confident to make that statement, number one, I'm human. Happens to me. I skip over this. I just move right into the request phase of prayer. I get it. But also, isn't it true that sometimes we offend each other? There's, there should be, if an offense happens, there should be an apology that follows. Right? I, I, I messed up. I did you wrong. I said something I shouldn't have. I'm so, there should be, I'm sorry. And we can make it right. And because that is lacking so grossly, I'm not afraid to say at all that no doubt it's lacking in our prayer closets as well. What is it? Why? Why? I get that confusion of face. Why don't we just say, God, I messed up. Why not just go to your brother, go to your sister, go to that person in church, go to your mom, your dad, whoever it is, and say, I'm sorry. I don't know what made me say that. I don't know what I was thinking. That was my fault. I'm sorry. He says in verse 8, We have confusion of face because we've sinned against thee. So we've already talked about the confusion of face, but maybe another way you can think of it is they didn't know what hit them. They just wham! (laughs) What is going on? Well, what hit them is, is the universal law of sowing and reaping. That's what hit them. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. Friend, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what language you speak, what color your skin is, how much money you have in the bank, what job you have, how much education you got, how many letters and initials come after your title. It doesn't matter. You cannot escape the law of sowing and reaping. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And if you're going to go, as this nation did, Almost a thousand years of rebelling against God. You're going to reap. And it's going to hurt. You just can't get around it. Listen, you never reap when you sow. You never reap when you sow. You always reap after you sow. Could be weeks. Could be months. Could be years. In Israel's case, it was centuries. Payday someday. R.G. Lee, that great preacher, said payday someday. One day the bill is going to come due. And when it does, verse 9, you better pray like this. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against Him all, we have a great God. (laughs) Unlike all the gods of all the heathen and all the ancestors that people pray to and worship, the Lord our God, verse 7, has righteousness. So He demands perfection. He demands, He expects holiness to the utmost. And at the same time, our God is the perfect mixture of righteousness along with mercy and forgiveness. <laughs> None of the gods of the heathen can do that. None of them have that character. The gods of the heathen will throw thunderbolts at their people for no reason other than just their mere pleasure, just to watch the people dance. Dance, sucker! Thunderbolt. Just for their kicks. You, you read the mythologies. The gods that the heathen create are gods made after the image of the heathen. 
They're mean. They're vindictive. They're jealous. Not the, not the God that created you and me. Righteousness, yes. Mercy and forgiveness, yes. And even though we've rebelled against Him, that doesn't change His nature. God doesn't change His mind just because we fall short. He's still the same God yesterday, today, forever. So, the Lord, so when, you, when you're down and it's your fault and you need mercy, here's, here's what you pray. To the Lord our God belong mercies, plural, and forgivenesses, plural. I love that. Because you need a whole bucket full of it. You might need a dump truck. You might need a semi-load. Amen. Just get a cargo ship. <laughs> Trying to think of something bigger, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Fill it full with mercies. You know what Jeremiah said about God's mercies? Lamentations chapter 3. You know, Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. Your mercies are new every morning. Though we have rebelled against him, verse 10, neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. You notice how those two things keep going together? God, we didn't listen to the Bible that was written down, nor did we listen to the preachers that was giving us the Bible. He said, even though you made it so simple for us, here it is. And just in case somebody couldn't read or couldn't understand what it was, God sent a man to open it and say, let me tell you what this means. You know what the Bible says over and over again? God would, he said he would send that prophet rising up early and sending him. Have you ever thought about that? Why did he have to send that prophet rising up early? Why not send him in the late afternoon? That way I could sleep in. Why does he have to rise up early? Because before you get out of bed, you need to make sure you're going to do that God's way. From the very start, <clears throat> rising up early. <clears throat> Daniel 9, sorry, verse number 10. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Notice how he's confessing on behalf of the nation. Do you see that? Although Daniel is not excusing, he's not taking himself out. Daniel didn't say, look at how bad they are. Well, I'm God, but not me. I mean, I wasn't one of them. Daniel said, you know what? I'm part of this nation too. I wonder what would happen if South Africa developed this type of attitude. Right? It wasn't long ago. That, that preacher's name is skipping my mind, the potato guy. Angus, Angus Buckin, sorry. I don't, I, <laughs> faith like potato, the potato guy, the Ortapulmon. <laughs> he organized that day of prayer. Forgive me, I can't remember all the details. Great idea. The idea of, you know, let's all get together and pray. I, that's a great idea. But, but the problem is the fruit of it. Be, and, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not castigating that. I'm not condemning that. Help yourself, you want to get together and pray, that's wonderful. But, but the fruit of that, right, it, it didn't fix anything that I could see. It was a good gesture, I think. And, and maybe we, we try it again in some other way. But you know where it's really going to make a difference is when the heart breaks. When you show up fasting in sackcloth and ashes and say, God, we are a mess. 
And us showing up and having a day of prayer is not enough to fix it. We're going to have to humble ourselves. And, and, and no more finger pointing. Well, you know, it was them. It was them. As long as we as a nation are just blaming others, the, the humility is not, 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 not the right kind of humility. Everybody just says, okay, I didn't make those decisions. I didn't make those laws. I didn't legislate this and that. But hey, I'm here. It's my people and we're wrong. We were wrong. We are wrong. As at this day, we're a mess. Verse 11, all Israel have transgressed thy law even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us. There's the book of Judges. By bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. He said, we got the worst of it. You know, God will be harder on his people than he will any other group. He expects more of us. If you're his child, if you're saved in here this morning, he has every right to expect more of you. You should know better. His people should have known better. They, they, had, they had Bibles. Nobody else in the world had Bibles. They, they had scrolls with the words of God on it. You got Bibles. Many of you have plural Bibles. Man, we have no excuse. No excuse. Forget, no excuse for a half-hearted effort. No excuse for not spending legitimate, genuine, proper time in the prayer closet with broken hearts saying, God, please make me what you want me to be. Form me, mold me after your word into the image of your son. Verse 13, we're going to finish up here. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. God, you have confirmed, that's verse 12, confirmed your words. You did what you said you were going to do. Next week, we're going to look at what God told him was going to happen. You're going to see that in 1450 B.C., that's almost 900 years, 900 something something years, plus minus. 900 years before this, God told them exactly what was going to happen. The, the exact punishment. Daniel lived through it. Said that 950 year old promise of a punishment, you confirmed your word. You did exactly what you said you would do. Friend, the same thing is true of you. There, there are plenty, dozens, hundreds of verses you got in the New Testament. It says, you live a certain way, God's going to deal with you as with children. You read Hebrews 12, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Why? When we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world, God's going to hold his children to a higher standard and he has every right to because he's been good to us and he's revealed himself to us. He's indwelt us with the Holy Spirit, put a Bible in our hands, put a church and a church family around us and a preacher to open the word. There's no reason for us to stand there going, I don't know, God, I don't know why, why? No, no, no. God says, you, you know exactly what was expected. 
So I'm going I'm to cut it off there, and then hopefully you spend the next week in prayer as I'm going to try to do, and we come in next Sunday going, God, please, show me more, show me more. All right, let's all stand. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this precious book. We thank you for the Spirit of God to guide us into all truth. And Lord, even if it's truth we don't want to hear, Father, we need to hear it. And Lord, if we have departed from your ways, search us, O God. Try our hearts. Lead us in the way everlasting, Lord. Show us, the, show us the dirty spots that need to be cleansed. Bless the service to come, please. Our fellowship. Thank you for the sunlight outside and the warmth. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you guys enjoy some fellowship.